Hello and welcome to the Learn English Football Podcast with your hosts, Tim and... Tom. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, Tom? I'm doing great, thank you. Very nice to see you, although it is a bit cold here, but I think here in Spain we're not the only ones who are suffering from the cold weather. Yeah, I don't think we should complain too much, considering the rest of Europe is covered in snow and I've got the sun on my back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. Tom, it's winter. It's January. You don't win cups in January, but big things do happen. Why is January exciting to all football fans around Europe? It is, of course, the January transfer window. Right now, Tim, it's the 27th of January, so we have four more days before the window closes. Yeah, we certainly do. Uh, and that's a bit of a risk considering the uh, what we're going to talk about today. But we're brave people. We like taking chances. Uh, we're going to back ourselves. Uh, and we're going to talk about which clubs are the winners and losers in this January's transfer window. Uh, there's been lots of movement in the Premier League. I think it's been the highest January spending uh, in history. Uh, Chelsea Football Club have spent more than La Liga, Serie A, League One, and uh, the Bundesliga combined. So there's been lots of stuff happening in um, in English football. And Tom, um, let's. What what do you think about the clubs that have done well? Uh, who do you think's been a, a good performer? Do you think uh, would you put Chelsea in that category? No, I think I'll come into Chelsea under the bad performer category. We'll come to them a little bit later. Just simply because, okay. as you mentioned, the quantity of money they've spent, uh, there's a smell of desperation when so much money is spent mid-season. For the good performance, uh, my first team that I'm calling up is not a team that has made a lot of movement in the January transfer window, but they have made a very solid move. I'm talking about Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, the reason why I've picked them is not only for this January transfer window, but actually their transfer play over the last few seasons has been consistently good. This January, they've bought a player called Facundo Facundo Buonanotte from Rosario. Uh, I think they've got a bargain. They've bought him for six million euros and uh, his match value, according to statistics, is is worth nine millions. His market value, I mean, is worth nine millions. He's only 18 years old. He's played 24 times this season for Rosario, four goals, two assists. But the other thing I like about Brighton is that they're getting money in to cover for this purchase. They've sold, as you very well know as an Arsenal fan, they've sold Leandro Trossard for 24 million. This was a player who they bought for 15 and a half million four years ago. And there are also rumours that Caicedo, their Ecuadorian centre-half, might be going to Arsenal as well. Uh, I don't know. Central midfielder. Confirm. Central midfielder. Sorry. Yes. I don't know yes. if you can confirm if that's likely to happen. But anyway, I just want to applaud the, the strategy that Brighton have been using. Uh, I've asked a Brighton fan what's going on. And he says that the owner of the club is a very, very smart man who's made his millions in uh, digital tech, analyzing statistics, data. And it's clear that he and sports betting sports betting that's right it's clear that he is using the data and the statistics to his advantage he is the man who is recruiting and finding these potential players bringing them into the brighton club giving them a season players like McAllister from argentina whose value must have 
quadrupled or you know gone up tenfold compared with what they bought him for. So credit to Brighton. I think they've had another good transfer window. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I think that you used a really important word, which summarizes I think Brighton's success very well: strategy. Um, they have a uniform approach across the club. They've got the 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 owner Tony Bloom. Um, who, as you say, is is well used to working with sports data and analysing sports data. And then they've got a director of football who, of course, has just gone to Chelsea, but that doesn't matter because they're still going to keep in the same philosophy of, 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 establish, of looking for players who maybe other clubs wouldn't take a chance on paying below the market value and then trying to sell on higher later. And there's countless examples of... Uh, of uh, Brighton selling on for, for an increased an amount an increased amount yes I would say um Brighton have done well um I do actually Tom want to talk about Chelsea as mm. a club which has had a good window um why because it's very easy to sit on the outside and criticize Chelsea for for spending money which uh, which other clubs can't imagine spending for um some creative accounting uh, creative accounting means to uh to do the the financial accounts of your of your company in a way which makes it look as if you're you're better with money than you really are of course uh, Chelsea have been exploiting loopholes in the in the in the rules the loopholes are when the laws don't quite cover all of the options and you find a little gap in the rules and you you take advantage, uh, Chelsea have been am amortizing uh, their debts over the length of the contract. And they've, of course, uh, give, given some of their new players eight-year contracts. So essentially, they made a £100 million uh, signing of uh, Mudrik. But... According to their accounts, that's only that's less than twenty million pounds a year over the course of the contract. So I think um, if you look at some of the players they brought in, they brought in a, a good defender, Bacchielli, for um, from uh, from from uh, Monaco, a uh, left back. I'm not sure they need a left back, but they've brought him in. Um, and they've also been looking at Enzo Fernandez, who was I think was one of our favourite players. Um, for for um, Argentina in the World Cup. And coming back to my point, Thomas, is this a good or a bad window for Chelsea? If you were a Chelsea fan, Tom, what would you be thinking? Would you be thinking, oh my God, we're spending money? Or would you be thinking, oh my God, we've just bought so many good players? I would be the latter. Uh, they literally, this transfer window, they have bought six players. And by be the latter, I mean, I would be thinking, oh my God, this is great. This is a good transfer window. Uh, they've also bought Madueke from PSV for 35 PSV, million. Yeah. They've taken a gamble on uh, a young Brazilian, 18-year-old from Vasco da Gama called Andre Santos. Uh, David Fofana, 20-year-old Ivory Coast centre-forward, been playing at Molde in Norway for 12 million. And of course, Joao Felix on loan from Atletico. Now, they don't need all of these players to come good. They probably don't expect all these players to come good. But... If one or even two of them produce good performances and become successful at Chelsea, then probably they will feel that they've made their money back because the well, eldest it, player they've signed is only 23 years old. Exactly. I mean, if we talk about, look at Mudrik, of who, of course, Arsenal were very interested in. Chelsea came in and stole, stole him from under Arsenal's noses after he'd been twerking in Arsenal's direction for at least a few months. And twerking is that a uh, modern dance with a... Uh, 
uh, should we call it an invigorated movement of the buttocks. Uh, he's been twerking Arsenal's direction, which is a figurative way of saying he's been trying to attract Arsenal's attention online with Instagram posts and things like that. But anyway, he was described by Shakhtar Donetsk uh, sporting director as the best player in his position after Mbappe uh, of his age. So... As you say, if if Mudrik lives up to his potential, he'll pay for a lot of those signings uh, by himself. And also, if you think, if you can consider Chelsea's season as a bit of a write-off, meaning they, they've already disqualified uh, any, pos discounted any possibilities of, of success, um, it's much better for these players to come in now, learn the Premier League when there isn't so much pressure of uh, trying to win cups or, or to get uh, high league positions and then really hit the ground running this time next year. The one side I would criticise Chelsea for is, I mean, I don't understand some of their signings. If you look at Raheem Sterling was bought for 60 million in the summer um, and that was under Graham Potter. And then uh, less than six months later, they've gone and spent a hundred million on Mudrik. Um, again, it's a similar situation for the left back. Of course, they've got um, they've got Cucurella, they've got uh, Chilwell, who are both internationals. Chilwell, uh, before he had his injuries, was first choice for England. Cucurella was uh, probably the the standout left back in the Premier League last season. And then they've just gone and sp uh, spent a lot of thirty eight million euros. On uh, Badiashil. Uh, sorry about my pronunciation, France, but that's what it is. Um, so I don't understand if there's really um, the opposite to maybe Brighton, if there's a strategy. But I go back to what would I be thinking if I was a Chelsea fan? I would be buzzing, meaning I'd be very excited. Um, mm -hmm. Any other clubs, Tom, that you think have had a, a good window? Yes. Also, I also... Or any. Mm -hmm. Yes, Tim. I or any reason mention... why you think Chelsea have had a very bad window? Sorry. Well, okay. I'll, uh, let's let's do Chelsea first. I think yeah, that uh, there's a smell of desperation there. To spend 178 million in January, you're not going to get the best players necessarily. You're going to get unhappy players, players who are looking to leave their other clubs. Uh, you know, obviously Mudrik is a fantastic signing for them, but. The other players, we're wondering if they would be better. I'm thinking they could be better to wait until the end of the season. And there are probably other players that would be further up their list of, of preferred choices that they might prefer to these players. So for me, there's just a, a smell of gambling. And it suggests that the club is seriously underperforming with Graham Potter. Uh, I think they were down in ninth place in the table the last time I looked. So it smells like desperation to me that's the only thing well it I is 450 euro it is 450 million euros if you include the summer and january transfers together so in the last six months they have certainly spent a lot of money so i, I definitely agree with you that it's not the most efficient way to spend money but it is exciting um mm -hmm. go on tom tell me another club that you think's had a, a good window i think uh wolverhampton wanderers have had a very good transfer window uh in particular I'm talking about uh, the players they've brought in, Mateus Cunha from Atletico Madrid, a 23-year-old centre-forward, although he was playing a bit deeper in sometimes midfield for Atletico. Uh, they've got him on loan. Uh, they've brought Pablo Sarabia, the right-winger from Paris Saint-Germain, the Spanish 30-year-old. Mario Lemina, 29-year-old, who's been at Nice, but I believe he's got uh, Premier League experience. Perhaps he was with Bournemouth a couple of years ago. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I think he might Yeah. Be. So 
I like what Lopetegui is doing here. He's bringing in players who are proven at a very high level, and he's brought in enough of them. He's brought Craig Dawson over from, from West Ham. Craig Dawson's 32 years old now. You can see that his game is a little bit limited, but at the same time, he can be very, very dangerous, uh, attacking corners and free kicks uh, for a high. He, he's very powerful. He's like a bull charging into the box. So to take him away from potentially one of your relegation rivals is a very good move as well. So I think and also they need that kind of towering centre back after they lost Connor Cody to Everton in the summer. Um, That's right. Yeah, and I think it's 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 important when you bring in an, uh, an, a big name manager like Lopetegui, who's who's been there and done it at the top level. It's important that you exploit the the reputation that he comes with. You know these these young Spanish players like Sarabia. Well, it will have jumped at the chance to work under a, a top manager uh, from their country like uh, like Lopetegui. To jump at the chance, of course, means to accept very gratefully and very quickly an offer that's there in front of you. Um, One more yeah, thing no, I'd agree well. they're doing well yeah, and, they're, and they're definitely on the up. They're improving. When I'm looking at the numbers, the money they've spent as well, I see that the value of their arrivals is 51 million euros, but they've only actually spent 20 million euros in part because of loans, in part because of finding a couple of bargains. This means that they're, they're not in desperate trouble if, uh, if they do go down. They haven't blown the bank, blown the budget on these players. So I like what Wolves have done as well. That would be my other team who have spent well in the transfer window. OK, my final team that I think have spent well in the uh, transfer window, you won't be any, you won't be surprised. Uh, I'll give you one guess. Who do you think I'm going to mention? You're going to talk about Arsenal. I am going to talk about Arsenal. Good guess. You might have met me before, Tom. Um, yeah, I think the reason, although we haven't done lots of business, I think Arsenal are in an interesting position. Nobody would have predicted that we would be uh, eight or five points with a game in hand clear at the top of the table halfway through the season. And um, Arsene, uh, not Arsene Wenger, Mikel Arteta for a long time now has been talking about a process for, for having a, me a short term, a medium term and a long term strategy like at Brighton. We're not in a position to overspend like, for example, Chelsea, but we are in a solid financial position. And um, what I think is interesting here is um, Arsenal have tried to accelerate their process. They haven't tried to change their, their, their tactics. They're still looking for players who can... Uh, can contribute not just now but also in the future but they've realized they're in a position where maybe spending money now could save us money in the long term so arsenal had for a long time followed um uh mudrich who uh, from donetsk to chelsea uh, we missed out on that deal but it was very obvious we had a plan b we were ready for that plan B and we pushed through the Trossard deal in less than 24 hours after that Mudrich deal had gone through to Chelsea. And, um, and, and it seems a logical buy Trossard. He, he's filling in for exactly the positions in attack where we're lacking cover. We've also signed uh, a young Polish defender from Spezia in Italy, uh, Kiwior. Again, sorry for my pronunciation, Poland. Uh, and his 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 girlfriend is actually an international twerking champion. Uh, I I haven't watched her YouTube videos, but I imagine they're quite um, graphic, shall we say? Um, 
But uh, back to the football. And also we are following, uh, we're looking at our, our first 11. We're looking at Thomas Partey's position. Uh, if he was to get injured, there would be big problems. We're looking at Caicedo, as you've as you've mentioned. We've had a, a £60 million bid rejected today by Brighton, but he's changed uh, agent to try and push through the deal. Uh, if Arsenal have, have, have offered £60 million up front with no add-ons, that means there's obviously some some wiggle room, some wiggle room in some room to negotiate. Uh, and if that falls through, uh, there's, of course, the Everton player, Onana, who was only signed in the summer, but we'll come on to Everton a bit later. So Arsenal have obviously tried, they've seen we're in a unique position in the league, a position nobody could have expected. And we're thinking, right, let's accelerate this situation. Let's not. Let's not lose the, the league because we had a crucial injury. If we lose the league, let's lose it because Manchester City are better than us, because we get tactically outthought or whatever, but not but not for transfer-related reasons. And I think the combination, again, the strategy between Josh Cronkier, the son of the owner, Edu, who's the director of football, and Arteta, they're all pulling in the same direction. And to pull in the same direction means doing different things, but with the same intention to have the same effect. Um, so I, it's an exciting time. And I do, I really do think, Tom, if we pull off a Caicedo or an Onana signing to fill in for Thomas Party, I, I don't see any reason why we can't go the distance in the Premier League. So that, that's why I say it's going to be a good window for us because it's changing our league potential. Mm -hmm. I think you make some very good comments there. And I'd agree that uh, Caicedo, the Brighton midfielder, or Onana, who has looked excellent for Everton so far. This in, a, in an underperforming Everton team, he has been one of the few excellent players who have stood out for me. Uh, shall we move on to the teams who have done badly in the transfer window? Yeah. I've, I've already mentioned Chelsea because I think that uh, they've spent too much money for a January transfer window. But I could be wrong. It might. They just need one or two players to come good and it could pay off. The other team who I've saying who uh, have done badly is Bournemouth. I say this because I think Bournemouth are in deep trouble. Uh, they are already the smallest club in the Premier League in terms of their attendance, so the money coming through the club. It's already going to be difficult. Uh, they have a big, strong team, but they don't have much strength in depth. Uh, they've already changed their manager once this season. They got a bit of that new manager bounce with uh, uh, Gary, o is it Gary or Alan O'Neill, the, the ex-Portsmouth player who came in, Gary, Gary O'Neill. But now they're back near the relegation area and they have done something, Tim. They have put all their eggs in one basket. Uh, that's a, an idiom, a, a, a proverb that means they've taken a big gamble with all their money on one player. In this case, he's called Dango Utara and he's played for Lorient and I have to say, he's got a fantastic record in France. He's played 18 times this season in the French League. He's scored six goals and given six assists to his teammates in those 18 games. So I'm not doubting the talent and the potential of this player. However, he has not played much league football before this season. Uh, he's valued, his market value on the, the transfer marked website is 10 million, yet Bournemouth have spent 22.5 million euros on him. I think this is a dangerous strategy to put all your hopes on one player. I think they would have done better to buy three or four players who could give them reinforcement cover in different areas of the field. They've brought in, haven't they also brought in Nico Jackson from uh, Villarreal? 
Ah, um, have they? Okay, he's not yes. come up on my uh, transfer mark, but has he come back from loan? That might be why. I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I think it's in the last 24 hours if it's happened. Ah, okay. It's interesting that uh, you think uh, Bill uh, Foley has uh, overspent um, on uh, Altuara because uh, he's actually a 30% owner of uh, Lorient in uh, France. Ah. So maybe he's uh, maybe he's doing some creative accounting there as well, we fiddling the books like well, Chelsea and like Juventus. That piece of information changes it altogether then because it sounds like he's just reallocating his financial assets then yes <laughs> um so it's interesting tom just give me a, a hit or miss uh mark van holt uh who's gone to manchester united is he the person they're going to build their strike force around or is he the new marianne fellaini uh, which player? Tell me the name again. Uh, the the Dutch striker they signed Voot, from Fenerbahce. Voot Voot Veghorst. Yeah, yes. Veghorst. Sorry, my pronunciation. I'm insulting all countries yeah. <laughs> today with my pronunciation. Sorry, guys. Voot Veghorst hit. I think he's a very talented striker, very confident striker. Thirty years old. He's at the peak of his his career. I think he will be a good signing for Manchester United. I'm I'm not sure. I mean, before he was uh, loaned out to Fenerbahce, he was in a Burnley team that got relegated. Uh, I think I think he's a bit of a Fellaini figure. That yes, he's a good player, but to get the best out of him, you have to play a very specific, direct, agricultural, old-fashioned style of football. And I'm not sure that the United fans are going to tolerate that. But I said it was a quick question, and it was. Tom, I want to go on to talk about the toxic situation at Everton Football Club, how this is affecting their transfer policy, and uh, and just compounding the problems that they're already in. And to compound a problem means to something happens that makes a problem even worse. So, of course, the news this week is uh, Fat Frank Lampard has been sacked. Um, no surprises. He's had an awful record since he's been there. He's got 38 points. Uh, from his last 38 games, um, and to be honest, they're worse than when he was when he was uh, appointed. He's been fighting with the players. Anyway, it's been a bit of an embarrassing week this week for for Everton Football Club. They had Dan Juma uh, from Villarreal. He'd flown into Everton. He'd he'd started doing all the media work to sign the contract. Um, they they'd had photos of him in 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 an Everton shirt. And then uh, Tottenham signed him at the last minute. Tottenham um, really like, well, I mean, Everton fans must be furious with Tottenham, as as, as I can imagine. Um, but it's not just that. They had, uh, we've mentioned him briefly today. Onana was a big signing, full of potential in the summer. Something's happened this season with Frank Lampard. He's fallen out of love with the club. Less than six months later, he's trying to angle for a move. And to angle for something is to, to try and create normally the social conditions where somebody else permits you to do something um so for example if i was angling for a pay rise i might constantly uh, com comment to my boss how good i am at my job or how difficult my the company would find life without me um but it's not just that 
Um, they had um, Bielsa. They were interested in Bielsa in signing Bielsa as the new manager, but it looks like he hasn't been convinced by the board. Uh, he was looking for lots of new signings in January. The promises weren't coming, and they're going to end up with Sean Dyche, uh, who is, of course, the opposite of, uh, of Bielsa. Bielsa's a, a modern, exotic manager, and Dyche is uh, he, he's the modern-day Sam Allardyce. Um, this all comes down to the owner, Mashiri. He was asked after the uh, El Sakiko against uh, West Ham, he was asked if Frank Lampard would keep his job and he replied saying, it's not my decision. Well, if you're owner of Everton Football Club and it's not your decision, what is your decision? And such is the chaos at Everton that uh, it's looking like it's not just they can't sign people, but players like uh, Onana, but not only Onana, one of the jewels from the academy. A jewel is a precious stone or a precious rock. Anthony Gordon, he's been in the side for about the last 18 months. He's looked very good. He's one of the shining hopes of Everton Football Club. He's now looking to leave. Let's talk about Newcastle trying to sign him. Um, I mean, it's a total mess. They're in the bottom three. Uh, their best players are looking to leave and it doesn't look like they're going to attract anyone else. Um, can you see anybody turning around this transfer window for Everton in the next four days, Tom, with no manager and no owner? Oh, that's well, the other thing. The owner put the, the club up for sale. Well, I have to say, I, I, I'm going to comment from a West Ham perspective. I watched El Sakiko last week, and uh, apart from a 20-minute period in the first half where Everton showed some superiority with the ball in possession, uh, they were outfought, outbattled. There was more intensity and more speed in the attack from West Ham. Uh, I was trying to pinpoint why Everton just... They had, they had good defenders, safe defenders like Cody and Tarkowski, but they couldn't work the ball up through the field into dangerous areas. Uh, looking at the squad, they were evenly matched with West Ham. They, they Player for player, you wouldn't say one team was much better than the others, but clearly there is something, you used a very good word, there's something toxic that's going on. Uh, I suspect it's within the infrastructure of the club. Uh, I think the best we've seen Everton in recent years was when Carlo Ancelotti was there a few seasons ago. Now, he went back to Real Madrid. We can understand why he would go. But it seems like Rafa Benitez came in, Frank Lampard came in. The club has been on a slow slide towards the second division ever since. Now I understand in the news that Sean Dyke has been lined up is, is the most, the, the bookies' favourite, meaning the all the bets are going on him to become the new Everton manager, which suggests that the deal has already been made. Uh, as a West Ham fan, I'm relieved because I thought that West Ham would end up with Sean Dyke if we lost El Clasico. This is no disrespect to Sean Dyke, the ex-manager of Burnley. He overachieved with that team over the last four, four, three or four seasons they were in the Premier League. But we know the type of football that Burnley were playing and we know the type of manager that Sean Dyke will be. So I can't see him being a long-term solution for Everton either. However, maybe he can create some sparks some fireworks, give some players who have been overlooked, not put into the team, another chance to prove themselves because this Everton squad has the quality to stay up in the Premier League. Uh, but I would say it's, it's going to be a 50-50 if Sean Dyke can keep them up. That's that's my feeling on Everton. 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to be tricky. And the other thing, I mean, when you're looking on the one hand at uh, Bielsa and on the other hand, you're looking at Deich, um, I mean, there's no there's no similarity between the two managers. So, you know, uh, what kind of football are you trying to play? What kind of what? how can you can can new manager come in and in three or four days sign all the players necessary? Um, I mean, I suppose it's just a shame that there wasn't a, a, a month long break in November when, when, when clubs could have made that kind of decision, that would have been really useful for a club like Everton. Oh, actually there was, there was the world cup. They <laughs> didn't take advantage. They should have sacked Lampard ages ago. Um, the other biggest loser, and you have to say it, you know, they're the richest club in the world. Uh, they obviously need to get one of Chelsea's accountants on the books is Newcastle United. If you're the richest club in the world, uh, they haven't accelerated their plan like Arsenal. You know, they're fourth place in the cha- in the Premier League, but it's a very congested race. Uh, they're, they're only a few points ahead of Tottenham. Liverpool and Chelsea, of course, could find form at any time. Um, and I find it surprising that the Newcastle, um, the financial department, aren't finding creative ways around the uh, financial fair play rules. Uh, I think Newcastle are the first team to ever actually find these financial fair play rules a hindrance to actually what they want to do. A hindrance is something which blocks you or stops you or makes something more difficult to do. Chelsea don't find any of these rules a hindrance. So I do wonder why Newcastle are having such problems. So I would say, actually, they are the biggest losers. Being the richest club in the world... There's no excuse to have a a, a January transfer window with no signings when you've already put yourself in such a good position. Interesting. I will push back against you on that point. Uh, To push back means to to fight back, to argue against your position. Uh, And I'm going to use another popular refrain, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think, without a doubt, Newcastle are in an incredibly strong position. They've got the best defence in the Premier League this season. Uh, Their manager, Eddie Howe, has got the whole squad playing his style of football, playing the right way. Uh, I'm not sure... The whole squad pulling in the same direction. Exactly. I'm not sure if they need anyone to come in and, you know, create some kind of uncertainty. Now, normally you want that. You always want to freshen up your squad with new ideas. But... I would make an exception for Newcastle just because they are doing so well. Uh, I'd like to contrast contrast them, with, in fact, with one here for you, Tim, a wild card. This is a team who potentially have done very well in the transfer window uh, with a very different strategy from Newcastle United. I'm talking about Nottingham Forest. Now, Nottingham Forest got promoted and immediately spent a lot of money on pretty much replacing their whole squad. If you look at the players in the championship last season, the second division, and who's starting for them for them now, you might find one or two players in the starting eleven. They That appears to, I don't know if it's uh, just because the coach is very good. He's an ex-England youth team coach who's very well respected in the game. Is he called Steve something? Steve Cook? I, I forget his name. But he is doing a very, very good job there. They're standing by him even when Nottingham Forest were bottom of the league and they've improved their form recently. Steve Cooper. Steve Cooper, that's it. Steve Cooper. And in this transfer window, they've spent 20 million euros on a defensive midfielder from Palmeiras in Brazil called uh, Danilo. Uh, Danilo, yes. Looks like they've got a very good bargain deal, a free transfer on an attacking midfielder, also 
who's left Palmeiras called Gustavo Scarpa uh, with a market valuation of 12 million euros. They've got him on a free transfer. They've also brought in Chris Wood, talking of Newcastle United. They've brought him in on loan. Uh, he was clearly surplus, surplus to requirements at Newcastle, meaning Newcastle already had enough quality in attack that they could afford to let him go. Uh, so I like this strategy for Nottingham Forest of being very busy in the transfer market. The big question, and the reason why I call them a wild card, is if Steve Cooper can instantly bring these guys into the squad, unite them with the other players, unite them with the Nottingham Forest tactics and that way of playing, and of course, adapt them to the speed, the intensity, the toughness that is the Premier League. So that's why it's a gamble. But in some ways, I think that's a, if I'm a Nottingham Forest fan, I may be feeling happier than if I'm a Newcastle fan where there was no change. Uh, you know, Nottingham Forest, you're thinking, go on, a couple of Brazilians, why not? I, I think you've always, we've got to figure like exactly that. When, when my club spends money, I don't think, oh my God, I'm poorer. I, I don't care whose money it is. I mean, if you're a Newcastle fan and you've got your club's got all this money and you're not spending it, it's got to be frustrating. Uh, I know this Danilo quite quite well actually because Arsenal have been linked quite heavily with Danilo as a as a party replacement. We've been scouting him for almost a year now. Uh, in Brazil, he's incredibly highly rated. I think um, this move maybe has come a year or two too early for him to make the jump from Palmeiras to a top-level European club. Uh, I think uh, he's seen as the, the long-term successor at Brazilian national team level to uh, Casemiro and Fabinho. Um, but he is still very young. He's still very raw, untested at the top level. Uh, and I think um, Forrest, it could be a mutually beneficial relationship, this, because he could use Forrest as a stepping stone club. A stepping stone is, uh, imagine you have a garden and it's very wet. Well, you might have stones uh, every meter or so to help you walk across your garden. That would be a stepping stone. Um, but a stepping stone club is a club you use uh, to get on your way to another bigger club. Um, and I think it could be good because I think he could come in and do a good job for Forrest. Um, and then um, maybe the bigger clubs where he would be his final destination would be less concerned about the risk taken. Having said that, I think moving into the Premier League from the Brazilian South American football, which is a very different pace of football as a young um, as a young man, especially in central midfield, uh, you've got a lot of pressure on your decisions. Um, I'm sure he's going to have a lot less space in the Premier League than he's used to. So it is going to be difficult for him to integrate straight away and to hit the ground running. And that is my last point I'd like to make about January transfer signings. When are you signing them for? Because although part of me was very sad about the Mudrick deal, I'm very happy about the Trossard deal. And I'm sure Trossard's going to be better than Mudrick in the next three months. I don't know in the next three years, but in the next three months, yes, because he's proven Premier League experience. Very good points. Uh, I like that adjective you use to describe Danilo, raw. We use that to describe food that is uncooked, but it can also describe a player of incredible talent, but someone who's not trained, who's not broken into the... Hasn't the quite got the experience. The experience, exactly, yes. Uh, so, Tim, I think I've said everything I want to say about this transfer window. Uh, I've expressed my relief as a West Ham fan as well that we won El Sakiko at the weekend and we've avoided recruiting Sean Dyke. However, 
I think that we might well, here's a prediction for you, we might well find that West Ham return back to their old ways, start losing, and uh, Bielsa, crazy Bielsa, might soon be the West Ham manager instead. That's, that's my... I think you need to keep the faith in David Moyes. I think he's mm -hmm. going to come good for you. I think if you go back to playing more centre, more traditional football, less modern kind of ball on the floor or passing game, and I think it's going to be fine for you. Um, just to all of our listeners, uh, we're uh, producing a lot of nice little short videos on TikTok. Uh, I think they're on YouTube as well. Um, if you want to practice some uh, some generally quite high level vocabulary, figurative vocabulary, or functional language fun little videos to help you do that um of course share the episodes with all of your friends give us a like on wherever you get your platform give us a rating ask your friends do you speak football if they say no tell them about us i think that's the best thing uh, our fans can do it's a very simple thing our listeners if you like the show just Click that little five star on your on your uh, listening platform, and that will really help us reach more listeners through the algorithms of the podcast platforms. Yes, fantastic. All right, then, Tom, I'll see you next time. See you, Tim. Bye bye. Bye, guys. Bye.